Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Hey, Joey. Welcome back to Cut for Time. Hey, Claire. Good to be here. Joey, we've got a lot to dig in, so let's get started. Okay. Give us a recap of your sermon from Sunday, please. Sermon from Sunday. Okay. So Paul is writing to Galatians. The church is being split along Jewish-Gentile lines, and he's just written to Jews at the in chapter two, at the end of chapter two, Jewish Jesus believers, like, hey, you, you have to do something hard. You have to embrace the crucifixion of your Messiah. I know that's not what we thought the Messiah was going to do, but that's what he did. So you've got to embrace that. Now that's what Jewish Jesus believers need to do. So what about Gentile Jesus believers? And he talks to them and he says, you need to understand you're part of a much bigger story than you thought you were. When you came to Christ, you also came into Abraham's family. So he's trying to instruct the Gentiles and talk to the Jews and say, look, you're all part of the same family. He's very much concerned about church unity in this passage. You're part of the same family. You've got the same inheritance, the same name, you should be at the same table. Mm-hmm. That was the point of Sunday sermon. Yeah. So can you remind us what's like the makeup of the Galatian church, like Jewish versus Gentile? Right, right. So um, this, the, the churches in Southern Galatia and Antioch, where Paul is, um, is working at the time, that's just a little bit east of Southern Galatia, Antioch is. Um, they were very much um, like, we are Roman cities. So the cities of Southern Galatia were all populated by um, soldiers who were kind of left behind from some of Rome's campaigns. And so there's a lot of this sense of like, we are Roman to the core, right? So there's that, but there's also um, Jewish subgroups within or or a group of, of Jewish people within some of these cities as well. So when Paul went to these cities, when he planted these churches, he's first talking to Jews in the synagogue where there's enough Jews gathered to have a synagogue. And then from there, he's expanding to non-Jewish, to Gentile, um, Jesus, to Gentile people who may have been interested in Judaism up to that point, may not have been. So broad range of people, right? You've got, um, you've got in the, in the church and in the communities around them, you've got Jews who don't believe in Jesus, Jews who have come to Jesus, uh, Gentiles who had previously been interested in Judaism and have now come to Jesus, Gentiles who were not previously interested in Judaism and have now come to Jesus, and then you have uh, non-Jesus believing Gentiles. So all in the church, all in the in the community and in the church, you know, the church and the community around it. So and the, lots any of, of these five people, any of these five categories of people are people who are hearing his letter. Yeah, all probably all but the um, Gentiles who don't believe in Jesus who mm-hmm. wouldn't wouldn't be in any of these house churches hearing, mm-hmm. uh, hearing the letter read, but mm-hmm. the people who are hearing it read need to know how to present themselves to those non Jesus believing Jews and non Jesus believing Gentiles living in that area. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thank you. Okay. So next question. Yeah. Um, Paul sees his missionary work as actively spreading um, and like adding to the family of Abraham. Yeah. 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 And um, when, we put that in context of how we evangelize or we invite other people to know who Jesus is. If we're not incorporating in that into our, like our ministry or just like t- 
telling people about God. Um, what are we losing out on? And like, what is someone else losing out on that we're not telling mm. them? And like, is it necessary? Paul sees it that it's necessary like should we be also including this in yeah. when we evangelize is it yeah. the first conversation that we have <laughs> well it, that's a it's a fascinating question so uh depending on who you ask you know some people will say hey let me tell you the good news and they'll start in genesis here's how god created the world and then and then trace the story all the way through the old testament and put jesus squarely in the the as the fulfillment of the promise to abraham right so the, the story is of course um, God created Adam and Eve. Everything's good uh, with this project of expanding the kingdom around the globe um, so that heaven and, and earth would stay united. Adam messes this up and God, his first action of sort of putting the creation project back on track is Abraham. I'm going to make this covenant with you, Abraham, this promise to you, right? It goes off track. Moses, um, is given the law, it goes off track. David is given these promises for an eternal kingdom, an eternal kingship over a worldwide kingdom. That doesn't seem to be fulfilled. What's going to do it? Well, Messiah comes. So Jesus comes, right? Now, it, it's, I guess I would say, I'm trying not to get long-winded here, but actually answer your question. Um, when when Paul goes on his missionary journeys, two things happen. One, or, or I should say there's two, there's a motivation and a, and a something that happens because of that. Part of the motivation is he, he's not just going out to get people saved, um, introduce people to Jesus, but to introduce people to Israel's Messiah and the world's true Lord. And by introducing them to Israel's Messiah and inviting them into faith in Israel's Messiah, he's inviting them into Abraham's family. Um, so he's inviting people to come to Jesus and be incorporated into the broader, the whole by faith family of Abraham, Abraham's worldwide family, right? So I think Paul clearly sees his missionary work as part of fulfilling God's promise to Abraham of having a family that encompasses the entirety of the world, a worldwide family. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's actively part of not just bringing people to Jesus, but bringing people to Abraham's family as well. Mm -hmm. And now that all of that understanding, totally not necessary for salvation. If all you know is yeah. I'm a sinner, Jesus died for me so that I can be right with God. Great. That's, that's it. But it, for spiritual formation, for growth, um, Paul wants us and wants these Galatian believers to find themselves within the broader story of what God has done in the world, not just to see themselves as I wasn't good enough for God. So God made a way. And that's it. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, this is part of the fulfillment of, you know, 2000 years of promises um, that you can trace all the way back to the beginning. He says, you, you have to see yourself as part of a bigger family than you do right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So often I think we do focus on this, like the personal relationship with Christ, which is wonderful, of course, like mm -hmm. it's not anything less than that, right, but right. um yeah, we totally could easily lose sight of the big picture of um, like, this is a movement. This is a church. This is like God restoring heaven as it is like on earth and doing his work. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, definitely like incorporating that into like our spiritual formation or talking, mm -hmm. like including it in the conversations after someone has come to, you know, like make the decision to follow Christ is important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, we don't live in a, in a 
context where we're trying to incorporate Jews and Gentiles into the same church. So how all this works isn't like an immediate top of mind issue for us, but it's, it's definitely an issue because most of us have forgotten that, like we said early in this series, like this is faith in Israel's Messiah. We forget that, you know, Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ means anointed one. It means Messiah. It means Israel's Messiah, not just Jesus's last name. Mm -hmm. So we've forgotten that this is a Jewish message for the whole world. And, uh, that, yeah, Paul is very concerned with these brand new ex-pagan Galatian Jesus believers that they understand they're part of the family of Abraham. He's devoting like out of this six chapters, he's devoting three whole chapters to making this argument. Mm-hmm. Which chapters? Well, because he starts his autobiography in chapter beginning of two. Oh, no, that's mm-hmm. near yeah, halfway through one. Um so beginning of two, all of chapter three, all of chapter four, and then in the beginning of chapter five, where he's, by the time he gets to chapter five, he's shifted the metaphor or, or the, um, the story that he's embedding them in from Abraham to Moses and is saying like, hey, if you go back to the law, you're going back into slavery. Like you are new Exodus people. Why do you want to go back to Egypt? Why do you want to go back to slavery to the law? Remember, you're not Moses' children. You're Abraham's children. You're part of the by faith family not the by law family. Mm-hmm. And I'm making the law sound worse than it is. We're going to talk about that in subsequent sermons, um, how those things work together. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah. It's different than um, it's different from the other, some of the other letters that Paul's written. So you challenged us early on in the series to go ahead and like read through Galatians a few times, listen to it mm-hmm. um, and just like see the book as a whole. Mm-hmm. And as I did, I'm like, where's the encouragement? It literally is like the last few verses. <laughs> like where Paul being like, here, do this. I, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, he is just um, setting up this argument and it just continues and continues because he feels so passionately that he needs to convince them and teach them this. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just different than his other letters. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, you can tell from his tone, it's one of the earlier, it's it's his earliest letter. He's like slapping this letter out fast. Um, Like you've got to know these things. Right. And there's not much time for um, much couching of the language. There's not much of the, you know, I I long to come to you so that you and I could share some spiritual gift, you know, encouragement to make each other strong or the, the prayers in Philippians or, uh, or some of the comfort in Ephesians or any of that stuff. It's just like, you guys have screwed this up. You got to know. Why do you think he feels such strong urgency? Um, there's different theories. Um, it could be a response to the immediate, um, you know, he had just been there um, planting these churches, teaching these things. He's not that far away. And it's almost as if he, as he preaches, you know, as he plants a church and then goes to the next town, like these false teachers are right behind him at the church behind him and they're just following him. So there's some of that frustration maybe that's there. Um, there's some of that, like I was just there exasperation perhaps. Um, it's so I, I found this really interesting. Um, pastor Jeff did the scripture reading this last Sunday and he, he read this passage and he read it with a tone of, of Paul just being heartbroken, right? Yeah. Oh, foolish Galatians. And, and it was so funny because when I, uh, this is why I love hearing other people read scripture because when I read it, I, I didn't hear any heartbreak. I heard just exasperation uh-huh. like, Oh my gosh, you foolish Galatians. Like, 
So yes, <laughs> it's good to get both of those, yes. both of those emotions present. Yes, because um, when you were preaching, you had even said it's like the equivalent of us pastors saying "you idiots," and I'm like, oh, right. that's like really strong language. Because yeah. I just heard Jeff be like heartbroken, and I'm like, that's not the same. <laughs> Yeah, Jeff has more of a heart than I do, so <laughs> he read it as heartbroken. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I think I think especially in this one, like his tone, the heat, the pacing, um, Paul is just like, I can't believe you don't know this stuff. Like I just taught it to you, and I, and he's on it. I think he's just about to take off to go to the conference in Acts fifteen to to really say like, okay, we have got to nail this down because we're at risk of splitting the church in half here between, you know, Gentiles who believe in Jesus and Jews who believe in Jesus, plus the application of all of their culturally specific things as having religious value. So it's a big deal for him. He doesn't want to split the church, but he's, he's, he would rather split the church than compromise the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Joey, thank you so much. Um, I feel like I've been pitching all these questions to you and you've been just, I don't know, like fast pitch and you're doing a great job of it's like fun. knocking them out of the park. Um, so what can you leave us with? Like how, what's our, um, like, what's it look like in our day-to-day application or thought process yeah. or prayer yeah. life? Well, I think the application and what hit me is there were, you know, this was nine verses and we, like we always say, you know, we're preaching one sermon, but there's at least three or four in here. I mean, could have preached a whole sermon on just verse six, could have preached a whole sermon on just verses one through five. And again, on seven, eight, nine, you know, could have preached a whole sermon just there. Um, anytime we, we would have done one of those things, you know, we really, the danger of going so slowly through a book is losing the thread of Paul's argument in the book, right? Mm-hmm. So just spending all of our time saying, he says this here and this here and this in another letter and this in another letter. But when we go through the book a little quicker, we're able to more hold on to the whole argument. And the whole argument of the book, Paul's trying everything he can think of here to convince the Jewish Jesus believers and the Gentile Jesus believers that they belong at the same table, mm-hmm. that they're being you know, the unity in the church is being threatened. The church is being ripped apart. The tables are being pushed apart. And he's saying to the Jews, like, no, you cannot push them away to another table because of these other beliefs. You, the gospel has changed those. And to the Gentiles, he says, you deserve to be at this table because the gospel has changed you. Um, so to us, I think the application has to be something along those same, same lines of where and how are we tempted to split the church on lines other than faith? And do we really have the right to do that? Um, one commentator, I, I, maybe I should have included this Sunday, but one commentator said, um, if Paul were to see our churches today, he would be appalled at how disunified we are and heartbroken that we don't even think it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he would even more so be um, absolutely just heartbroken over our splits along ethnic lines, you know, as he's trying to bring culturally and ethnically disparate Jews and Gentiles together in the same church because of the gospel, because of faith. So what's our application? I think is we got to ask ourselves, you know, where and how and under what circumstances do we want to push the church to different tables? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe an even harder question, and this didn't occur to me until later when I was talking with someone afterwards. The real question is, um, 
what kind of disunity am I willing to be put, am I willing to put up with because it's just too much work mm. to stay unified. So, you know, I purposely didn't try to give a bunch of examples. So this means you need to go do X, Y, Z, because I, I think that it, God has to deal with each of us uh, individually on, on who are we not willing to worship with because not just because they believe something differently than us theologically, but maybe ideologically or politically or socially or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great insight. And I, I picture Paul being like, you foolish Christians. You foolish Americans. Yeah. <laughs> Why? American Christians, yeah. Yeah, you foolish Westerners. You foolish, yeah. yeah. Why yeah. do you so, yeah. So I, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, who do we, who do I, need to reach out to and say, man, I got a lot to learn from you. Can we talk? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe that's step one. Okay. Super. Let's end there. That's a great spot. Thanks, Joey. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks again for, for doing this every week. I enjoy it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.